The scripture reading, uh, the first scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 16. I therefore, prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says, he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity and to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no, no, no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every lig ligament by which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. We'll read verses 34 through, uh, 24 through 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we might see it and believe you? Or what work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Join your hearts with me in prayer. You come to us, O Lord, in our hunger, but sometimes we do not recognize what you have put before us to eat. Quicken our appetites and our taste to receive truly the bread of life, so that we may know what it means to never hunger, never thirst. To the glory of your Son, Christ our Lord, who became bread for us. Amen. We meet up with Jesus today, after the whole ghost on the lake incident had occurred with the disciples. The folks that were fed from a single lunch all got into the coast looking for Jesus. And they were confused because only one boat had gone across and they didn't see Jesus get into it. So they meet up with him in Capernaum and say, how on earth did you get here? Jesus doesn't talk to them about walking on the water. He just points out that he only came because they had gotten a free meal the night before. And now they were looking for the free breakfast that they thought came with the boat ride. Jesus tells them to quit working so hard for food that perishes. But instead, look for the food that endures. John 6, 27, the verse reads, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seed. Stop working for what perishes. Stop working for the things that continually need to be replaced. Work instead for what endures, for what is stable, what stays with you and needs no replacement. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I hear that immediately in my head and it's watched too much television. I think of Jimmy Dean's voice, a good hearty breakfast. You know, you had something to eat. Commercials. The problem with masks is, I don't even know if you're smiling when I make things like that. It's, it's, a, it's a hard audience to play. <laughs> Jesus offers us a challenge. He said, we're working so hard for stuff that doesn't last. Or are we figuring out how to receive the things that fill us forever? <laughs> of course, when we have one of those exchanges, it is another one of those places in the Gospel of John where the crowd just doesn't get what he's talking about at all. They ask, what do we have to do to get God to feed us every day like God did with the people in the wilderness, with manna? It's the same kind of exchange Jesus had earlier in the Gospel of John with Nicodemus. Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, I'm way too big to fit back in my mother's womb. What are you talking about? I wonder why there aren't more forehead slaps recorded in the gospel. Uh, you know where he well is when Nicodemus said, I'm an old man, how can I get back in my mother's womb? Jesus went, Ugh. Again, the people are saying, how can we have this food delivered to us like a DoorDash account? And Jesus goes, that's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk to you this morning about exhaustion and burnout. Here we are with masks on again. 
exhaustion, and burnout. Are you tired of this? I know, sometimes when you sound like little kids, we were promised a trip to the park with a picnic and games and swings and candy, and then it starts raining, and we can't go to the park, and we tell our people gathered around us, but, we, but you promised that we could go to the park. And the CD says, but it's raining, you can't go to the park. And we say, but you promised. We all got our vaccinations just like you told us to. And you said that we'd be able to run around outside with our masks off and inside with our masks off. How could you be so mean to us? It's not fair. Well, no, it's not fair. But anybody who thinks that you grow up in a world that is fair is badly deluded. We want it to work our way, no matter how many times it to be, proves to be more complicated. And so we break down in exhaustion. We face burnout. Exhaustion and burnout occur when the effort expended does not bring the goal desired. Exhaustion and burnout occur when the effort expended does not bring about the goal desired. Last month, we made our last payment on the Kia Optima that I owned in the church parking lot. All right, right, okay. And the great thing about paying off the car was is that when you get down to those last few payments, when almost everything that you're paying is principal, those checks are pretty easy to write. Well, to log on and type into the app that gave the money to CarMax. And CarMax sent us the title and a little letter saying the loan is completely forgiven. I'll tell you, for the last four or five months, making a car payment was a joy. In fact, it was so close that we started making slightly bigger car payments. Can we pay it all off this month? No, 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 no. Ooh, almost there, almost there, almost there. However, four years ago, when I would make a car payment, it'd say, ooh, I own $8 more of my car. 15 more payments and I'll own the glove box. <laughs> Maybe I'll celebrate by buying gloves to put in the <laughs> The energy is just sapped. Now the amount of work to make the money for each of those car payments was, was identical. But when the goal desired is so very, very distant and ethereal, it feels too much like work. It's exhausting. And I find that when I find myself growing irritable and frustrated and empty, it's because the energy that I have been expending is not moving me towards the goal that I thought I desired. And Jesus is trying to tell the crowds here, your problem isn't the effort. Your problem is your goal. You're chasing me because I gave you food. You're not chasing me so that I can truly feed you. You will be hungry again. When you wake up tomorrow, you will again be seeking more food. That's perfectly reasonable and perfectly desirable. But if your only goal is your next meal, then every time you get dessert, you're immediately disappointed again because you have to think about what's coming tomorrow. Now, eating <laughs> is important. It's so important that Jesus made it a solid cornerstone of the prayer that he taught us. Give us this day our daily bread. 
It's so important, in fact, that in that prayer, eating comes before forgiveness. It's hard to forgive on an empty stomach. And so give us our bread so that we can get around to the business of forgiving. The problem, Jesus says, is not our failure to do the hard work. The problem is our desire. Now this being the Olympics, an interesting study from more than a decade ago about medal winners. Psychologist uh, Victoria Medvik, Thomas Gilovic from Cornell University, and Scotty Madej of the University of Toledo went through thousands of pictures of medal winners standing on the little blocks, gold, silver, bronze. And in studying the pictures, they determined that bronze medal winners were significantly happier than silver medal winners. Bronze medal winners have smiles as big as those who took the gold. But the ones who are there in the middle with the silver medal consistently look disappointed. What they found was their ability to objectively measure their achievement, meaning I am the number two in the whole world, was not in their heads. They were thinking about the one-tenth of a second. If they could have made it up, they'd have gold. Bronze medal winners are thinking one-tenth of a second, and I'd have gotten no medal at all. They're significantly happier because their relative comparison is different. Now, the research of Medvik, Gilovich, and Maddie was rooted in a much older observation that was made by psychologist William James way back in his book in 1892, Principles of Psychology. He wrote these words about competitors. We have the paradox of a man shamed to death because only the second pugilist or the second oarsman in the world that he is able to beat the whole population of the globe minus one is nothing. He's pitted himself against the one. And as long as he does not defeat that one, nothing else counts. If your goal is winning the gold, nothing else matters. No other place, every other place, is a loser's place. But if your goal is just participation, the games themselves, the opportunity to compete, you're happy just to be there. Jesus is trying to explain to the crowd that they're being driven to constant disappointment because all of their thinking about is the next meal and never pausing to reflect upon the fact that they are full. Paul builds on this with his letter to the Ephesians and and uh, John, I appreciated your confession because it knits directly into this being able to see together as a whole, as a single family, as opposed to the distinctions and the divisions between us. Paul builds on this imagery. He asks, what is the measure of success for a community of faith? How do they know that they're being a good church? By the budget? by their attendance, by packed houses for special events, by doing better than the Methodists? I sure hope so. <laughs> no! 
by being one body, one spirit, one hope, one calling on the Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father and soul. And I guess if there's only one Father, do we have any other choice than to call each other sisters and brothers? The goal that endures is not being ahead of everyone else. It's being with everyone else. Ensuring that everyone's participation, everyone's encouragement, everyone's shared gift is valid, valued by the body. When I was in Piatone, we had a food pantry. We ran out of the Presbyterian Church there in Piatone. It's the largest food pantry in volume uh, in all of Will County, actually. You wouldn't imagine that in Piatone, but they did a great job. There were several farmers who were extremely generous to the food pantry. They regularly made contributions, not only of money, but also of produce. And there were a few farmer, farmers that every spring would set aside two or three acres, and they would plant that just to create produce for the food pantry, not unlike Betty McGinnis's backyard. The uh, food pantry would receive in the fall big bushels of sweet corn, potatoes, onions, tomatoes, fresh, fresh fruits for the clients of the food pantry. And I remember as I was helping unload his pickup truck, one of the farmers told me as he delivered some sweet corn, some beans and tomatoes, said, you know, Pastor, that's the easiest acre on my farm. Now, the amount of work to get produce out of the ground was the identical clear across his entire farm, which was about 7,000 acres. But the few acres that he set aside to give away, he said, they're the easiest acres of my farm. Don't work for food that perishes. Work for food that endures unto eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on Him, the God the Father, the second seed. Maybe putting the masks back on is not really a drudgery. We kind of think it's only about our own faces. Having to abide by restrictions and guidelines, we're not necessarily well wired for that. Maybe we don't think about our own discomfort. Maybe we just kind of think about getting everybody across the finish line together. Maybe we think about those who are struggling with immune-suppressed conditions. Whether it's vaccines or not, they still have to walk around and protect themselves, I don't know, from us. Maybe we should stop trying to figure out exactly whether the vaccine were better than the unvaccine. And those who didn't wear masks before were somehow more evil than those who do wear masks now. Maybe we ought to just figure out how to take care of one another. Maybe we're exhausted because our goals are in the wrong place. And maybe our strength will renew when suddenly we share our goals to be sure that we all get to participate, to be together, to be one. For there is only one spirit, one baptism, one Lord of us all, one Father who has given to each of us gifts to be shared. And it is to the glory of that same Christ we give our praise and offer our goals. Amen.